Yeah, all right. Good morning this morning. Glad to see, uh, good to see you all. Uh, we have a couple of our friends who are joining us online because there's some sicknesses going around, if you guys have heard about that. So go ahead and say hi online, folks. Hi online, folks. We don't forget you. We love you. Uh, and I'm glad that if you made it out here, like you're one of the strong ones, you know, you're like, uh, I'm dodging viruses, you know, all this kind of stuff. So glad you guys are here, uh, all the strong ones in person. So congratulations on a hearty immune system. Uh, let's uh, confess to God and to one another what we're uh, doing here at church, all right? So what, uh, what do we do? We love God and we love others. And what do we say? I love God and I love you. And when I was a kid, uh, this is going to date me a little bit, skateboarding was just beginning. I know like skateboarding, it seems like it's existed forever, but it didn't. It had a beginning. And uh, when I was a kid, uh, skateboarding was just beginning. I mean, uh, skateboarding was so new, like you couldn't even buy a skateboard. I had seen it on TV and heard about it because I'm Southern California, so of course I knew about it, right? Uh, it, it started, I think, in Huntington Beach and some of those kind of uh, surf skate areas. And uh, I, I tried to take a roller skate and drill it to boards to create a skateboard. I was really interested in skateboarding. And then uh, one time on TV, I saw that they had those like uh, half pipe ramps. Then they had like quarter pipe ramps, and I was like, that is so cool. I mean, I, I had this like kind of handmade skateboard, and then eventually we found a skateboard. Like my friends and I, we invested together, I think 12 or 16 bucks to buy a skateboard. And, and uh, uh, we had this idea to build one of those like, one of those ramps where you can go up and turn and come back like we saw on TV. But I was about maybe 11, you know, and so I'm not really good at building stuff. Uh, but my dad had a whole bunch of tools and things in the garage. And so I went and I got a piece of plywood. And, and what I was thinking is if I took this plywood and I put like a couple of two by fours there, then, then it, the plywood would somehow make this ramp if I held it up with these two by fours. So it would look kind of like that maybe, you know? That's what I had in my mind. Seemed, seemed logical. So I got these like two by fours were about two and a half feet tall. And I nailed them, one, one nail, in the corners of this plywood. And then I set it on the ground. And it just looked like this like ramp, like burp, like that. It didn't have any curve or stuff. And I was like, hmm, well, maybe if we lean the legs. So we leaned the legs a little, and then it started to bend a little. And I was like, oh, fantastic, do it, do it. And so we, uh, first guy got up, got the skateboard. I don't, I don't think it was me. First guy uh, got the skateboard, went on the ramp. Boom, ramp collapses, because that's not how you could build a skateboard ramp. And we're so sad. Like, uh, you know, our, our vert ramp died at the very first try. Now, uh, Luckily for me, my dad was watching us do this, uh, probably laughing uh, at these dumb kids doing whatever we were doing. Um, my dad, who is a general contractor, he has an engineering master's, and, uh, and uh, he built his own house from scratch, like from, from zero to nothing, uh, and with no other contractors. He just knows how to do all that stuff. And he felt bad, so he went and came out, and, and you know, he took these other plywood, and he cut the shape, and they made the ribs, and then he had two-by-fours holding it together. He made this like really legit like quarter pipe, about like four foot, had a nice curve. You could come up into it. It had a ledge at the top you could drop in. Like, fantastic. And I was like, oh, that is so cool. Totally rad at the time, right? So I was a raddest kid, and, and skateboarding lasted for about, oh, in my heart, maybe a year and a half or so. Uh, and, but, but we had that uh, ramp parked, parked in my backyard, and, and that thing was so well built, like rain, snow, we don't have any snow, but rain, uh, weather, wind, Santa Ana's come through. That thing was in our backyard for 10, 15 years, you know, like a, and it just stood there like a rock. It was super solidly built, uh, long past the time where I liked skating at all. And uh, 
I tell that because we're going to talk about, and last week we were talking about, uh, we focused on building our lives on Jesus, but at first laying that foundation, that, that Jesus is personally the foundation for the buildings of our lives. And a, and a foundation is key to any strong building. You have to have a good foundation to have a good building. But you can't only have a good foundation to have a good building. A good foundation, a good solid strong foundation, cries out for a for an actual building on it. Have you ever seen, drove by, someone couldn't afford to finish their house or whatever, and you just see a foundation? It's kind of sad if ever sometimes you've gone through, gone through areas in Mexico where someone maybe thought they could afford it, but they couldn't, and, and you just see foundations. Foundations that are well-built, they, they, they're demanding a well-built structure. Last week we saw this verse. It was uh, 1 Corinthians Chapter 3, and it said, By the grace of God, or by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay the foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So the importance of building the foundation we we're talking about by coming near to God, listening to Him, and then obeying His words. But today we're going to talk about filling up that foundation with a building. So how do we, in our real lives, build upon those? So we've got the foundation of Christ. We're talking about how to, how to develop a strong foundation last week. But then, once we have that strong foundation, that's not the end of our Christian journey. See, Jesus is the beginning of our Christian journey, not the end of our Christian journey. And some of us were like, well, I got that Jesus foundation. I'm fine. Woo! Well, maybe your foundation is crying out for a good building to be built as well. A building that will be built to last, that's built well. Here's the continuation of this same passage. So the next verse says this. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold or silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the, the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will re receive a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but, but yet still be saved, even though only one is just escaping through the flames. So he had, Paul had already established that Jesus is the foundation. So what we're not talking about here, what this passage is not talking about, is a non-believer's judgment to either be in hell or into heaven. That is not what this is talking about. This is not talking about salvation or condemnation. It's not talking about the person themselves. What is it talking about? It's talking about the works of the person. Rather, this here is talking about a believer's judgment of works. Now, there is a time where God will tell us those who have Christ will be entered into the kingdom of heaven, and those who don't have Christ will be given their, their desire, and they'll be separated from God. But that's not what this is. And sometimes I think we get confused because you see the word judgment, and you're like, judgment! That's like, da-da-da-da, like heaven or hell. Uh, yes, sometimes, but, but that's overly like black and white. There are other nuances to judgment. Judgment isn't only heaven and hell. Judgment is also, in, especially in this context, for a believer and their works. Some will find reward and some will not. So whether you build with stone or wood or straw or gold or whatever, whatever survives through that fire, now it's not literal fire, but the fire is a metaphor for God's judgment or his correct looking at what you've done and deciphering whether it was done in the right way or not. 
whatever survives that will be rewarded. So we want to build lasting structures like my dad's ramp. We don't want to build ramps like I built because God is looking for quality work. By lasting, we mean something that has eternal significance, works that honor God, spiritual buildings that are proven quality, spiritual lives that are strong, ministry investments, evangelism efforts, building others up, kingdom work, other people being blessed. That sort of thing is what we're talking about. Now in the next letter, so that was 1 Corinthians, Paul writes another letter to the Corinthians, a second letter called 2 Corinthians, and he echoes this and adds a little bit different flavor. Check out what he says in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So now, important to know the context of this. The context is Paul had just been talking about living in faith. He was talking about he knows if he's absent in this body, he's going to be present with the Lord. And so he's wanting to be in heaven. So he's clearly talking about believers here, not non-believers. Now from all other passages, we know that there's a judgment for eternal life, like I mentioned earlier, but this again isn't. This is not talking about whether someone is going to heaven or not. It is again talking about someone's works. Because people do not get into heaven based on if they have more good than bad. See, you'd be tempted to get that out of here if you're not careful. But we're not talking about getting into heaven. We're talking about Paul is addressing his life and believers and saying, hey, believers, you're going to come to this place where you get with God, you're going to go to heaven, but he's going to look at the things you did while you were in the body, and he's going to determine whether they were good or bad. Now, it may be that he means morally good, bad, and things, like, like uh, sinful things, but, I, but I, I'm actually uh, don't think that that's what he has in mind. Now, if he does, so, so there's a couple of possible interpretations. If he has in mind, like, the bad is, like, sinful things, then as believers, all our sins are paid for God, so we only get a good side judgment. But, but I actually don't think that that's what he's talking about because he's already, uh, in this passage, he's talking about people who are going to be in heaven. So, but even as a believer, I don't know if you, those of you that are believers, have you ever made any mistakes after you came to Christ? Have you, have you ever uh, uh, done something dumb, you know? Um, have, you, have you ever done something that isn't sinful but just is bad? Like, uh, you know, uh, basketball players can do this, right? Oh man, that guy made a, oh, that, that play was terrible. He, that was a, a really bad decision that he made on the court. No, it wasn't a sinful decision. It just wasn't profitable, right? It wasn't helpful for the team. It wasn't uh, something that moved the, the team forward towards getting their goal, something like that. And so I, I think that that's kind of what he has in mind here, this sort of good or bad. But either way, we see clearly in both passages that the believers, uh, as believers, our works are going to be judged. And I think most of you are like me. I, I think most of you who are coming out, braving sicknesses, getting to church, watching online in, uh, in your spare time when you get the chance, I, I think that you love God. And you want to do well on this particular test where God says, I'm going to test your works. And you want to do well. And the, and the beauty is that, that uh, the test that's coming, God's already given us the answer. In these two passages, he says, I'll tell you how to pass the test. There's two tests that are coming for your works, for the way that you've lived your life for how you've built your spiritual structure. The two tests are, are the first test we just saw here is the good and bad test, the good and bad work test. And the second one is the quality of works test. 
So that's what God's going to test you when your works come before. He says, I'm going to give you a good or bad works test, and then I'm going to give you a quality test on those works. So even as believers, sometimes we do things that aren't really helpful. But even if they're sinful, they're paid for by God. But I think he's talking about non-sinful things. And, and by I mean this, I think there's a lot of time of our life that we waste that we make choices in life that are really wasteful. And I wonder how much of our life is wasted on the bad, not, not the morally bad, because that's an, like, out of a thousand decisions you make a day, how many are really moral decisions? Like, you know, like, uh, I'm not going to do heroin today. Fantastic, right? That's probably a moral decision. I'm not going to cheat on my wife. But that's not, like, every moment. Most of my day is filled with all sorts of other decisions. And our, our life could be wasted in the bad, but not evil per se. But more, I would say, more often simply bad because they're useless or they're meaningless. Let me give you an example. A few weeks ago, I was checking my Instagram. Uh, you know the iPhone is so nice. They uh, tell you how much time you've wasted on different apps. So you can go and look at like screen time. And I'd never done this before, and I looked at screen time. And I actually don't even really like Instagram as a platform. And I looked at uh, Instagram, and it said uh, 8 hours, 23 minutes this week. 8 hours? That's a full work day! I looked at I cannot remember one thing I saw on Instagram. I don't know. I didn't get any information. I'm not a better person. I didn't love anyone through Instagram. I... I watched Instagram for 8 hours and 23 minutes. Now think about it, what did I look at? I don't post, I post a Kayla Tuesday, that's it. That did what, 45 seconds? And that's the only time I use Instagram. I look at a few people's stories, another 4 minutes, that's it. How would it be 8 minutes? And then I was like, oh, sometimes I get up these videos like suggested for you. I'm like, oh, what's suggested for me? <laughs> click, click, slide, slide. Oh, I don't like these people. I don't know these people. I don't really care about like how many times oh, those fails. Oh, fantastic, right? Like I don't know. Like, oh, don't get in another accident. Oh, oh, look how tall this is. Oh, look at this. Eight hours worth of that. And I'll ask myself, like, is that a good use of my time or a bad use of my time? See, that's how I think here. Now, the passage comes in, in clearly. So I, I'll, I'll stand before God as a believer. And he's like, hey, 8 hours, 23 minutes on Instagram? Son, is that good or bad? Well, that's bad. Last night, so my wife and I were talking about it, and uh, again last night, because I was telling her, oh, did you know that it had this stuff? And then uh, I found something else that it had last night. It has how many times you look at your iPhone. I don't know if droids do, but iPhone says, how many times you look at your phone? So it knows when you look at it, right? It, it's like Santa. It knows when you've been naughty or nice. So it's like, it can't be that much. 83 times in one day. Now don't judge. Go look at yours before you judge. I, got, I feel waves of judgment. But check yours, because I thought it was like 12 or 14 maybe. I, I answered a call once. I did a text. 83 times in it. I looked at the phone 83 times. And then it tells you, what do you look at first? Which is like terrifying, right? Like, oh. Hey, the first thing I look at is text messages. Fantastic. And I had like three hours in text messages. You know, like that's a lot of text message, but that's part of the job. So I was like, oh, okay, that one's probably good. 
I didn't have any Instagram, no time on Instagram. Do you know why? I deleted Instagram because I had wasted eight hours and 23 minutes on it. And so three weeks ago, I had deleted my Instagram. Oh, I forgot to finish that story. That's how that one turned out. I was like, God, that's bad. I mean, it's not morally bad, right? I'm not like, watch the skater fail, like, again, skater theme today, but watch those skaters fail and get hurt. It's not morally bad, probably, you know? But it, it's not good. And ultimately, that comes before God. So the first step is, uh, the first test is pretty simple. It's just a good or bad test. And so you could, all works that you're doing, whatever you're doing in your day, is this good or bad, you know? So I'm at my job doing what I'm supposed to do. That's actually good, right? If you're at your job not doing what you're supposed to do, probably bad, right? If you're at your job on Facebook or Instagram, unless you're working for Facebook or Instagram, that's probably, it's probably bad. It probably fails that test. And so you did eight hours in that day, and that, that day is going to be useless if you didn't use it in a good way in that sense. Does that make sense? So that's the first test. So you're like, oh, cool, I was at work all, all day, and it was good because I was doing my work. Boom, first test. But then the second test is a quality test while you were at that work or while you were doing those works, and it doesn't matter what it was. It could be schoolwork, it could be an actual job, it could be time with your family as work, it could be volunteering at some uh, coaching, or it could be volunteering kids baseball or Cub Scouts or at church or wherever it is. All, all works are the same. So you can ask for every work that you're doing in your life, was that good or bad? Boom. Okay, good. Okay, I'm good on this good track. Next question is the quality test. What Jesus is looking at is the quality of a work. And this isn't comparative. This is individual. But we get super comparative with whenever there's quality involved. Better than theirs, better than theirs, worse than theirs. Better, but I'm better than two out of the three. I'm good. But it's not, that's not how God works. He doesn't stack your building up against somebody else's building. So you're not going to be evalu- you're going to be evaluated on you and your building and how you went about it, not on what someone else did in their building. So God's not going to say, "Hey Pastor Sam, didn't you see that incredible work Rick Warren was doing? He was like just right, you couldn't have just gone and visited, see how good his was?" Man, didn't you see his campus? They had like Disneyland stuff in there. Didn't you see all the curriculum they helped other churches with, Sam? God's not going to do that. Compare my building to Rick Warren's building. That is not how it works. It is not a comparative. It is just between you and God. It is just your work. It doesn't matter what Pastor Rick Warren is doing. It doesn't matter what that other parent is doing. It doesn't matter what those other people, uh, moms at, at, at school are doing. What matters is what you're doing. God is only looking at you, not in comparison. And it's not a quantity test either. So it's, it's not a comparative test and it's not a quantity one. Like as in Billy Graham shared Christ with 100 million people, Sam. Millions of people became believers because of Billy Graham. So how do you, boom, boom, again, compare to Billy Graham? He's got so much more reward because he had more people. But it's not a quantitative test either. There was nothing in the passage that says, well, as long as you get eight gold instead of four, or nine straw instead of three. See, at no point is it quantitative in terms of looking for the reward. So Billy Graham, uh, I'm going to say Billy Graham has a great word because he seemed to have done really well. I don't know, Billy Graham, he's old and and now died, but um, 
but he seemed to share it with a lot of people. But God is going to judge him on his work and not compare him to anyone else and not compare me to him. So the amount of work isn't what is evaluated. Paul says that the work is going to be evaluated on what sort it is. So we can do a, a lot of the wrong type of work. It still may be good, but it's not the right kind of type of work. And that can be burned up as well. God tests quality, not quantity. And it doesn't matter like where your work is in. See, it doesn't have to be church work. It doesn't have to be... Um, and that's why I think he says whether it's gold, silver, straw, hay, wood, it doesn't matter. See, we've said before that we don't believe there's a sacred and secular divide. If you go to work and you work at, a, a, let's say, Toyota, for example, you work at Toyota, that's not a less spiritual work than working at Jericho Road. It's just different. So it's not gold, silver, wood, hay. It doesn't matter what type of work you're doing. What matters is how you go about that work. Is it good, bad? And then what is the quality of that work? So the quality test asks these questions. The quality test asks the question, is what I'm doing built on the foundation of Christ? Or the foundation of a building has a certain shape. Is my work in the same shape of Christ? Is my work done in the name of Christ? Done for the kingdom of Christ? So, so I'm at, maybe I'm in the finance department at Toyota Motors, you know? When I go there, is my interaction, even if it's just with data, is it so that I can fudge the numbers or do something for myself? Or, or am I doing it with, with all the best integrity I can do? Do I interact with this database in a way that honors Jesus so that I'm not trying to suck up, I'm not trying to get ahead of someone or tear someone down? Or, or am I doing this in a way that would look like the shape of Jesus if Jesus were doing this? If Jesus was entering in a database, it's not going to all of a sudden be like spiritual, like, ah, out of the database. It's still a database. But it's done with integrity. It's done with... Uh, joy. It's done with thanksgiving. Maybe you're at work and maybe your work's a little bit of a grind. And you're like, but, but God, you've given me this job and it's providing for my family. Thank you, God, for this database. <laughs> you know? And then when you're sitting there, so that's a good work, you're doing what you're supposed to do, and then you're doing it in the shape of Christ or the way of Christ or the way Christ would want you. And so that quality then is the right quality of work. Quality or lasting work is always spiritual kingdom Jesus work. But it doesn't have to come in the form of church or only for pastors. See, it's available for every one of you. There's only four of us that are pastors in the building. The rest of you are who God wants to tell this to. That the quality of your work matters too. And it doesn't matter whether it's gold, wood, hay, or whatever. God's checking the quality of the things that you... In life, it doesn't matter that price or something. It doesn't matter if... See, he's not saying the gold one is better than the silver one or the gold one is better than the straw one because that stuff is not relevant. Same, same in real life. Like You can have two same-price cars, right? You could have a, a Honda Civic and you could have a Ford Focus. One is better quality. I'm not saying which one, just saying. Right? Like... 
you can ha you can get a you can get a handmade basket from Ensenada. For the same price, you get a plastic basket from Walmart. But one is a different quality than the other one. So it's not it doesn't matter what you do or or kind of what field you're in or or that any of that kind of stuff. It doesn't matter if it's a like high spiritual seeming job or or a low spiritual seeming job. Again, we don't have sacred secular divides. But what matters is within that situation, is it a quality work or not? So if this is the case that quality is what matters, how do we then build in such a way that doesn't get burned up? I think a good way to do this is to just see a couple of cool examples. So uh, one really great example is, uh, you guys uh, saw our singer here, Christina Cho. Uh, she's a pastor's wife. She does our graphics for Instagram. No offense, Instagram, sorry. <laughs> she does our graphics for Instagram. She does our social media stuff. She does our, our print graphics. Um, she plans the parties. She, she helps uh, order the food, um, puts up cool decorations. And she sings in the praise band. Like, that's a lot of stuff, you know? Those are, those are good, not bad things. Those are God-honoring things, and she does them to bless others, and she has a great attitude as she goes about it. So I'm like, that sounds like something that's getting rewarded. Or our, our friend Jerry Williams, so consistent. Week in, week out, no complaints, always open to blessing others. With the gifts that God has given him, that's quality work that he builds. I don't know, you guys don't know this, but there's a couple of our junior high boys, uh, Ethan Song and Kellen Chang. They come to church uh, about, they come right at 9 o'clock, so about an hour and a half early every single Sunday. And they uh, sit, they bring their uh, keyboards, not like a game keyboards, but they're like a music keyboard. And they, they plug them in and they play along with the praise band because they're practicing so that someday they can be involved with the praise band and, and bless you all. They've been doing this for, oh, I'd say, about a year. Nobody knows. Nobody sees that. People don't, like, oh, great job, man. It's so exciting that you're... But they come out faithfully because they, they want to honor God and they want to be able to someday be able to bless people in worship. That's a fantastic work. Not, not the end product, even. Now the emperor, someday they'll get to play and that, that'll be a blessing too. But you know what also is a good work? When the kid sits there and he's practicing, hours and hours now it's been, over the last six, eight, ten months, nobody sees, it's not for glory or honor or anything like that. Up here you get a little, come on, Kyle gets a little shine when he's playing, right? Y'all didn't even know Kellen and, and Ethan are sitting here in the dark. We don't even put lights on them. The stage lights are on. They're in the dark. They're trying to, their parents don't even get them a good iPad, they, they're trying to look on the phone, you know, trying to see the chords. Luckily, they have good eyes still. See, that, that work right there that's done right in the dark, it's over there. It used to be over there. The plug died, though, so they're in this plug now, in case why I'm gesturing over here, over and over. That, that, that good work right there it was just practice. No, that is quality building. That is building the right way. Wanting to honor God, good not bad, faithful, continuing for the blessing of others. We got a couple of girls, Esther and Esther. They're, they're two women who lead our kids in body worship. Um, that's a tough work. 
body worship with kids is it's both physical and I don't know, I feel it's a little embarrassing, right? <laughs> like, and they're adults trying to do it. Come on. I right? think like, there is a certain amount of like, hey, hey, it's like a, okay. That's a tough work. They do it with joy and a smile, and and, and you've got to practice that. And they can't practice here, so I don't know this is true, but I think they have to be watching like a YouTube thing, and they've got to be in their mirror going like, Jesus, come to me now. I mean, I don't know what they do. I don't know any of the motions or whatever. And clap. Okay, wait, well, how'd that go? Poor land, kids. Uh, like, they've got to be doing that. They've got to practice it. I mean, they know it. It doesn't come when, like, you fall asleep and you wake up. It's not Matrix, you know, like you wake up and you're like, oh, I know how to do this thing. So I imagine they're in their house, in their mirror, doing this midweek. Like, that's a good work, because that's awfully awkward, embarrassing, and weird, right? Oh, fantastic for the kids, but it is a good work. No one notices them doing that in their, in their bedroom or in their, in their house. That's them and God. It's, it's quality work. And it doesn't matter if there's one, ten, or fifty kids. They've, they've prepped that ahead of time. Quality work. Uh, lastly, I think of Diane Cho. Lately, she's been doing all of the background stuff for KidVenture. Sets up the craft, setting, planning, this kind of stuff. Nobody knows. She she's not in front of the kids. The kids, she doesn't even get the hugs from the kids. Or she comes a little early, sets things up, makes sure it runs smooth. What fantastic work! Now, for all these folks, I, I'm only noticing as an outside observer. Like I'm looking at it, and it seems good to me. But you know, Jesus notices as an inside observer. And that's where the quality is. See, I can guess that they have good motives. I can guess that they're doing it right. It looks like, to me, fantastic things. But Jesus knows. Jesus knows the attitude of their heart. He knows when, like, man, maybe no one else noticed me doing this, but God, I'm trying to do this for you. Maybe it wasn't even successful, or you didn't ever actually get to do it, but God noticed the heart that you had as you did it. See, intent, motive, heart are the key for God's quality test. Those are the things that matter in the shape of Christ and doing it with the proper motive or intent. My best painting that I have in my house, very best painting I have in my house, is a painting that my daughter painted. She took her time, tried her best, poured love into it, intent into it. So it's quality work at least in the quality that her father is looking for. And that's the same with your father. It doesn't matter if anyone else is impressed. What matters is your father's impressed. And your father's pleased. And he, and he knows the truth of it. And that's the quality test. When you're at work this week, he knows the truth of it. He knows you might be frustrated by that coworker, but you're going to love him anyway. Oh, good to see you. <laughs> I got you a Christmas card too. <laughs> you know, like, God knows. The intent and motive of the heart matter. Which is awesome. Because then quality work doesn't take place only at church. And the people that I had mentioned 
there were church folks because that's, that's where I see them. But it doesn't have to take. Quality work takes place all over. It takes place on your campus, uh, in your baseball teams. It, it takes place with your, your friend groups when you go out. It takes place at your workplace. Does this conversation with my coworker have the shape of Christ? Am I going to converse with them in the name of Christ for the kingdom of Christ? Have I, have I prayed about them? Do I care about them? And now am I acting on the prompting of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit? Every single work can filter through this test. And you can, you can pre-know. God didn't hide the test question. <laughs> Here's the test question. Is it good or bad? And what's the quality? You say, well, I, I can determine that. This is good or bad. And then I can now fix the quality. What's my heart? What's my intent? How am I going about this? Is this in the shape of Christ? Having the shape of the foundation in mind as we go about our daily work or our volunteer work or family work will help remind us to build good quality things for the Lord. Now, as your pastor, I'm going to tell you, I'm pretty confident, I would say extremely confident, that you all are stacking rewards in heaven. This sermon is not a sermon like, hey, you better do these things. This sermon today is about, as I can see you, it looks like you are stacking rewards. Now, I can't see your insides, only you can. And so my encouragement today is about refinement, not a call to repentance or to start to finally do good. It's not that. That is not how I see you. I look at you and I see that you are doing incredible work and I want to encourage you to continue to do that incredible work. Continue to say, God, this is for you. And then you get that reminder today, oh yeah, yeah, God, I'm back in church. Okay, I've got to go to my work. It's a grind, but God, I'm going to do it for you. Honor you. I know that you guys are doing this because I'm often the beneficiary of the blessing that comes from your goodness in interactions. I see the results in your families and your kids, and, and I see the results here at church for your great work. So this morning, I, I just really want to say keep it up. In each interaction and in every action throughout your week, when no one's watching, someone's watching. If it feels like no one notices, God notices. It, if it feels like it doesn't matter what you're doing, it does to God. And it matters if you're doing quality work. So I'll just say thank you guys for being amazing. Look, I, I actually look forward to judgment. I know, who, who does that, right? I can't wait till you all are judged. Just like I'm judging you. No, I can't wait till we're judged. Because I am confident when we get into judgment and we get to be there as a, maybe we do it individually, maybe there's corporate sense of judgment because, I mean, we were a church together, so like we've got to probably account for that, right? And so where, where I get to be with you and watch you and God's saying, like, great job here, great job here. And I was like, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it, you know? I can't wait for that because I know that I'm surrounded by such faithful men and women. So I want to encourage you to keep it up, to refine your heart, to be even more intentional about bringing Christ into all aspects of your life, not just your church life or just your you know, morning prayer life or not just your you know, uh, Bible reading time, but in all areas of your life. Continue to build on Him in the shape of Him, joyfully awaiting the reward that He has for you. I mean, the word judgment is not scary for us at all. Jesus pays all the bad part of it. And so we get to work towards the great reward that God has for us. And so I want to encourage you guys to do that in all aspects of your life. The church, the home, the family, your work, your friends, your leisure, all of that. 
And so would you stand with me? And I want you as you stand to just smile deeply and turn our eyes together towards closing worship to our amazing God.